0: Hello and welcome to Two Peds in a Pod, the paediatric medical education podcast. Remember, you can hear our entire back catalogue of episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and of course our SoundCloud. So please tell your colleagues and friends and hit that subscribe button. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to another Two Pete in a Pod podcast. My name is Ashley Rees. I'm a paediatrician. I work at West Hertfordshire Hospitals. It's great to be in the chair for this episode, uh, dealing with the issue of civility, rudeness and unprofessional behaviour. And if you didn't think that that was a problem in the NHS in the UK, the staff survey found one in five healthcare workers reported being bullied or undermined by a colleague in 2018. And according to the BMA, it's three times higher than the wider workforce with ninety eight percent of people reporting experiencing uncivil behavior in a study by the Harvard Business Review. So this is something that uh, really is out there and important um, and what about uh, civility and kindness in pediatrics? Well, I'm delighted to be joined by Anna Bavastock, who is a consultant pediatrician and the lead for senior doctor well-being at Mudsgrove Park Hospital in Somerset. Anna, thank you so much for coming to talk to us today.
1: Good morning, Ashley. It's absolutely lovely to be here.
0: Now, tell me how the project that you have started in your hospital, which uh, is a a kindness to all in paediatrics project, tell me how that started.
1: Well, it started with a tweet. So two years ago, I was reflecting on the wider movements that I was seeing um, online from obviously initiated by Chris Turner with the Civility Saves Lives project, but also the mantle was really taken up by um, Simon Fleming within the orthopaedic community with the Hammer It Out campaign. And I was reflected that I had witnessed some really challenging behaviour within um, uh, paediatrics as a trainee and also as a consultant, and that I was aware that I had. Um, you know, also potentially inadvertently at times, we all have mean moments and challenging times. And so I started to think, well, actually, I wondered if what we needed in paediatrics was a hashtag being quite new to social media. So just sent out a bit of a tweet saying, you know, the orthopods have hammered it out, the surgeons have cut it out. I've since learned that the the obstetrics and gynecology had push it out. What would we have in paediatrics? Expecting A lighthearted debate on hashtags. And it did start off with, you know, speak it out, play nicely, let's talk about it, some really sort of nice hashtags. And then people, I think, used it as a bit of an opportunity to reflect and talk about the behaviour they had witnessed or the behaviour that they had experienced. Just a hashtag. So actually, I decided to take the conversation off social media because as as I've uh, become aware, social media is not really the the place to talk about some of the more subtleties in some of this communication, and had a a conversation with Camilla Kingdon um, and Hannah Jacobs about the fact that I felt we'd started something, but we wanted to then do it in a in the proper way. So then we gathered together for the co- college meeting in two thousand and nineteen and had a, a bit of a pop up workshop where we talked about it a bit more because I guess I wanted to we we wanted to sort of capture particularly trainees views um and and then from there, Hannah Jacobs took it to the training committee and obviously we we wrote the paper in archives, really reflecting what rude undermining um and bullying behavior looks like and and feels like from a pediatric perspective um and at the same time within my trust we were also looking at civility and kindness and how we might start to have com- some conversations and i thought actually you know what do i want what am i trying to say with this and i came up with i support kindness for all in paediatrics So as part of our project locally, um, we as a paediatric consultant team and the junior doctors and also the nursing staff and now moving out to the wider team have, I guess, signed up a little bit to a behaviour charter. And I particularly wanted to do it as doctors because I wanted to recognise it from a training environment. So we're supporting colleagues to seek advice and help with decision making, a training environment, diversity and nurturing culture that's welcome and inclusive thinking about excellence and shared learning, but also thinking about honest and feedback conversations. Um, and and part of that is a civility workshop, which we've been piloting in paediatrics um, and maternity, but are also spreading out across the trust.
0: So can we just deal with some of the sort of definitions to try and work out exactly what uh, w- w- try and work out the specifics of of what you're talking about here. So civility. I mean, I, I think people talk about well, being civil, but d- does it have a, a a specific meaning around healthcare, or I- I- is it the the, the, the rudeness and um, unprofessional uh, behaviour that you, you you might say is somebody being uncivil?
1: So so I think the really important thing about civility and incivility is it's very much how it's heard, not necessarily how it was intended or spoken. And I think this is often the root of such a lot of difficulty is that we say something inadvertently or it's picked up in a different way. And there's a, a lack of communication just at that bit C- civility and kindness is a I guess is around having a, a conversation where you're interested in each other where you're looking to listen and learn it isn't necessarily always about being nice um, but it's actually about having that mutual respect for each other um, and incivility and rudeness is about when when h- how it's heard or how it's received is felt I- I- in a challenging way
0: now you mentioned the paper that you wrote with with Hannah Jacob, who is the immediate past chair of the trainees committee at, at the Royal College, um, and also Camilla, who's the incoming um, president of the Royal College. Um, so, um, some some um, the th- 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 three of you there ro- co- contributing to this paper in archives um, published just last year. And the example in there is, is is one I think will resonate with with many of us about um, a trainee finishing a, a busy night shift. Um, and uh, having admitted a baby with suspected sepsis and maybe not quite getting all the tests done before starting the antibiotics for example catching urine to rule out urinary sepsis and, and that doctor being pulled up on it uh, in the handover maybe in front of colleagues so that this is the sort of behavior that you're you're um, pointing out and that you're trying to sort of overcome
1: yeah, absolutely, and I think hand, handover is a really interesting time, isn't it? Because by the nature of handover, half half the people in handover are tired at the end of the shift, and half of the, the people in handover are hopefully refreshed having just arrived. And yeah, it's it's clearly a, a, a key time for communication. It, it can be a key time for learning, but I think we also have to just very much think of of everyone everyone as individuals within that setting. Um, I I also am really passionate and interested in feedback. And I I do really think that we can give um, developmental coaching feedback in a kind way, but but we have to to very much think about how we deliver it. Um, So, so, um, there's a a fascinating um, concept called radical candour, which um, Kim Scott talks about. And that's talking about having a challenging conversations, having a brave, honest conversation, but doing it in a kind and supportive way. And I think that's the tone that we need to take into handover. So we need to have enough emotional intelligence to, to, to read the room, to read the trainee, to work out what what feedback needs to be done there and then, and what conversation perhaps would be kinder um, t- to have at, at a different time? But it's not about avoiding having those conversations. We shouldn't be sugarcoating feedback. Um, we should be delivering it in a in a honest way because that that's how we all learn. Um, I like brenny Brown's take on it as well, and, and I think she makes me a little bit braver, and I, I have it as a bit of a mantra, and that's clear is kind, unclear is unkind. And I think sometimes we we fear not giving honest feedback about something that's happened or not having a discussion about our opinion on what's happened because we don't want to be unkind. But I think the reality is as if something's gone wrong or we've been in a challenging situation, we kind of know and recognise that, and sometimes not saying anything is worse than saying something so i think it's very much about thinking very carefully about your intention with the conversation and thinking about the timing
0: so there's a there's a learning point within that example around making sure that you know you manage the child children the children that you look after clinically as safely and as best as possible so Um, is it making a generic general point that um, if you were to be in that situation again can we make sure that we that we collect the urine or is it is it about trying to use a socratic method to ensure that people understand um what, what what the issue is by that i mean some some sort of questioning about you know what 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 samples would need to include in a septic screen or you know what 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 are the nuts and bolts here? So we can, we we can talk to the doctor at a time in which they're less tired and they can be a bit more reflective and um, understand and take the sort of feedback better. But uh, well, what's the best way of approaching it in the room then?
1: So so I guess I divide feedback in my head into th- I'm quite a simple soul into three three areas. I think there's the the positive feedback when you've done something well, and I think that. That every time is a good time to say that. Um, I think sometimes we can be quite embarrassed by positive feedback. We don't particularly like being singled out and we often negatively deflect it and we then take away our negative deflection. But I think in general, positive feedback can can be done that the kind of green light to go and then there's the sort of coaching coaching feedback which in my head I have as amber so it's kind of you know am i ready to deliver this is the room right for this and what what is the wider learning that actually it's really important that everyone does benefit from because i agree actually there are some Learning points. Whereas, if you don't say something, then you risk everyone going away thinking, "Okay, well, that's how we manage things." Um, and I think that can be done in a in a general way. I think if you if you've asked the question at handover, was you know did, was the yearing collected, and there's this sort of intake of breath around the room, then i would imagine for the for the for the doctor involved the fact that nothing is said is sometimes worse than something being said you know oh my goodness me it's so bad it wasn't even mentioned so i think and I think just a, a knowledge that we're all human. You know, I, I you know, the number of times I, as a paediatric junior doctor, was waiting for urine samples or desperately trying to, to, to get samples before completing the septic screen. So I think just recognising that, you know, it's challenging to get the urine, appreciate that, you know, in an ideal world, it would be been really nice to have the urine before giving the antibiotics. But clearly, in this situation, it, w- it was really challenging. Um, and then I think particularly, you know, colleagues... Having had a, a night shift and going home, I I really worry about what what you were what the, the what the junior doctor then takes away to worry about. And I had some fascinating conversations with some anaesthetists um, during the, the first first wave of the COVID pandemic where they, we were really, really wanting to make sure that um we were all able to just go home and have a rest and then come back fresh for the ne- next day. And they came up with these great questions to ask in handover. And one of them was, What's going to stop you sleeping? What decision did you make during the night that you're going to be worrying about on the way home? And can we just have a conversation about that? And I just thought that was brilliant. Um, because it's really generic. Um, and um, and so that they used that as a conversation starter as part of their um trainee led
0: handover which i thought was brilliant that is brilliant isn't it i mean i i'm mm. I'm, I'm i'm always keen to make sure that the, the night docs are that they're safe to get home and um you know obviously organized for them to stay if it's been particularly challenging for them but that's um that's, that's a really lovely frame isn't it what's what's going to worry you what are you most worried about from the night shift and is it done do you want to talk about that i may maybe may asking whether they want to talk about it out of camera eye, not in front of the room could be helpful as well <laughs>
1: yeah absolutely and I, and i also think sometimes when we're having these conversations we sort of think we have to wrap it up all in one go and what i really liked about that their approach was that it's what's going to stop you sleeping and then there are some clearly wider learning points that we probably need to talk about at another time but actually what's your immediate needs here and now and that really plays into really listening and connect with someone someone at the point that they're at rather than where we make lots of assumptions about people sometimes that i think is really wrong can we
0: can we look at some of those other areas that your focus group with trainees in at the college that form form the basis of of some of the elements of of the paper um yeah which we, we will tweet out the link to um well, one of the other areas was obviously educational supervision and, and feedback. I mean, you talked a bit about feedback, but educational supervision is, is a really important uh, activity, I think, for us as, as consultants who, who, who look after trainees and, and um, supervise and support their training. It, it's a really important uh, interaction.
1: Absolutely. And I think that, I think it's more key than ever now. So, so I really, when I, I had a role supporting junior doctors and um, particularly spent quite a lot of time supporting um, foundation doctors. And so many foundation doctors just didn't feel they had any sense of belonging within the departments that they worked. Um, and I would reach out to their clinical and their educational supervisors and would be, often told well you know they're only here for four months or they're only here for six months and we don't really get to know them we don't really work together and and my response would be goodness what what's it like being a a junior doctor in your in your department um and I think you know I grew up in in the um in the era of the firm, I had the same SHO, I had the same registrar, I had the same consultant, we were always on call together, we worked together. So I had a huge amount of psychological safety every time I came to work. And I really think that educational supervision, clinical supervision is how we restore some of that psychological safety such that there's some key senior members within the teams that are interested in the the trainee as a whole. Yes, interested in the learning and the professional development, but also just enable that psychological safety, which underpins so much of learning because we hear so much about how anxious junior doctors are within a shift. And I think if we can improve psychological safety, then we can enable trainees to to thrive and to learn and to develop because they feel that they're being held somehow or feel that they have supervisors that they can go and have those challenging conversations with.
0: So from the trainees, there are a number of areas, weren't there? We've dealt with handover and educational supervision. There was also language and communication, which is so important, and then equality and diversity.
1: So from the equality and diversity perspective, I think it's really important to recognise that there is plenty of evidence that certain groups of colleagues are much more vulnerable to workplace incivility, bullying and harassment than others. And I think the evidence shows us particularly colleagues um, with a disability, colleagues from the LGBT plus community and also colleagues from black, Asian and other minority ethnic groups are more likely um, to experience these really challenging behavior. Um, I recognize my own white privilege. Um, I'm a heterosexual cis female. Um, I have to say, in pediatrics, being a woman is often means that you're in the majority, and again, we have to recognize that. I think the first step is to recognize it, um, and the second step is to think about how we can proactively change things. And I'm really proud of the proactive. Um, agenda that the Royal College of Pediatrics and Child Health has taken on this, particularly looking at the equality, diversity and inclusion agenda and making that really front and foremost of the work moving forwards um, to try and understand more about it and then to try and and look to what we can do. I've recently been on some really interesting discussions with international medical graduates um, and just listening to their stories um, has been extraordinary in terms of raising my awareness um, in how I can better support um, our more junior colleagues, um, particularly thinking about from the educational perspective, but also just looking at the kind of wider cultural issues. There is so much research that the more diverse and the more inclusive all of our organisations are, the better care that we're going to provide. And I think that's what I really want to, to be
0: a part of. Yes, indeed, a really important group to think about and support um, in this way. Uh, But what about um, following on from that? So the other healthcare professionals that we work with, um, how's your project uh, rolled out to them? And are they involved in what you're doing in your hospital?
1: Absolutely. So so I've been doing this um, project in maternity as well. And what was fantastic about um, doing this in maternity was... um, was it was initiated initially by midwives. So we've done this in a very multi-professional um, way. I think it's quite interesting. I've been reading a little bit more about culture and, and cultural change. And I think we also do have to recognise as paediatric senior doctors, so consultant staff and associate specialists, that, that we, we do have a leadership role. And I do think that therefore we we have a role in modelling that behaviour. And I think our senior nursing colleagues and our senior allied health professionals also have that role. Um, I think we can only look at things like kindness and civility as a wider team. This isn't about a single group of people going in and being able to to, to to um, make a dramatic change it's about enabling everyone to have that conversation we we talk part of the civility training that we do is we talk about what happens when when you witness rude um, or uncivil behavior what you might do and we have some conversation practice and we look at what we might might be able to do and I guess my my first my first challenge is, can we just simply ask? So if someone is immediately rude to you, are you able to just say, wow, did you mean to say that? Or I'm sorry, could you repeat that? Or, you know, um, I, perhaps I didn't understand that. And if you do that, you know, 95% of the time you'll get a reaction, an apology, uh, oh, I'm really sorry. Occasionally you'll get a flat denial, but you will normally get a behaviour change associated with that now clearly that's easier for some of us to do than others um, and um and the Vanderbilt University in the States have come up with this really brilliant concept of the cup of coffee conversation um so that the cup of com- coffee conversation as described by them them is that you can you can ask an active bystander to have that conversation for you so the active bystander can purely come and come to me saying say anna do you remember that conversation you had with with your colleague well they were left with it really up. they were left following that conversation really upset and i just wanted you to know so you're not trying to solve it but you're just merely doing that very initial pointing out and the results from their from their studies are fascinating so i guess the the training and the conversations that we have as if you're a you know junior nurse on the ward and and some more senior consultant has been really rude to you you may not feel like you can have that conversation yourself but can you speak to a colleague who can then have that conversation um for you i'd love to get to a a situation where we can feed up and across as well as feed, feed down um but i appreciate that 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 that's that's you know much more challenging
0: and what about witnessing uh, these sorts of episodes if you don't um, i think as you put it in the paper out the unprofessional behavior in some way complicit uh, it's it's that can be that can contribute to stagnation and uh, and and uh, contribute to more distress and upset that that nobody was there to to call it out to acknowledge it to maybe try and reframe the conversation or or reformat the conversation or 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 make it happen in a different way at that time
1: Uh, actually it actually goes stronger than that so if you and i are in a resus situation and i am really rude to you then it'll have an impact on you in that you will worry, be worrying about it. You will affect your quality of your decision-making. Um, it'll affect the decision-making within the research and ultimately the, the, um, the patient care and patient safety. There's been some really brilliant sim scenario research by Riskin et al. But there's this ripple effect. So you, if I'm rude to you within the recess and there's 10 people in the room, it has an effect on every single member who's witnessed it. So they will also have a reduction in performance. They will also not want to put their heads above the parapet and have a a reduction in their willingness to to help others. And the Civility Saves Lives poster illustrates that really beautifully with with all of the percentages. Um, and then I think that for the very junior members of the team, they think, okay, well, that, that's maybe how we get things done around here if no one says anything. So I I really think that, that as senior members of the team, if we witness behavior, and you, you can tell when it happens, people kind of looking around going, gosh, did that just hear it? You have to be that really brave person. I, I can remember several years ago now we were in a big paediatric teaching session when a colleague from a different specialty came in um, and gave some quite challenging feedback was very rude to a junior member of team who hadn't done a a blood test Um, and there was absolute silence and I can remember feeling I have to do something but I can remember thinking I'm not brave enough to try and have that conversation in this room and also actually that could potentially be quite undermining So the colleague left the room and I then left with them. And I then had a conversation about the fact that I felt that that was a really challenging way to deliver that information. And I appreciate that they were really upset and that their Uh um, operation had been um, delayed. But that actually, you know, they had a responsibility not to, um, you know, to to think about how they communicated. And so he then said to me, are you expecting me to go back into that room and apologise? And I said, well, that would be absolutely lovely. And he looked at me and went, Oh God, you owe me. And, but bless him, he did. Um, and, and I, the, the power of that was huge. And actually he went his, his, everyone respected him so much more for that. Um, and I suspect whenever he had patients on the ward again, everyone just worked that little bit harder. So I think that actually there's, there's something really lovely about watching someone apologize that that just makes the um makes the situation so much better but actually you don't reduce respect for someone you increase your respect for someone when they put their hands up and go I'm really sorry I'm having a bad day that was really rude um but 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 you know there have been many other opportunities where I haven't been so brave and then you and now of course i really try and make sure that I do have those conversations because of course that's very much
0: part of, of what behavior change that we're trying to, to trying to achieve sure respect for you went off as well in that situation um leaving the room um is that that's a powerful statement isn't it to follow that person out you you leaving the room how does that leave the room for you?
1: well to be honest we were all speechless so, so it well, you could have heard a pin drop so so i think had i sat in the room i it would have felt um we'd have talked about it anyway so the natural reaction was to to to, 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 to leave and, and follow and I, I guess that was just instinct i didn't really think about that but I can remember as I left thinking i've got to be really brave to have this conversation rather than you know because I think he was expecting me to say i'm so I apologise. Um, so, so he was clearly slight, you know, slightly um, off
0: guard when we had that conversation. So you know, you, that that was that you, you tell tell that through through a nice story. And so Chris Turney, have mentioned, uh, d- did a really lovely TEDx talk around civility, where you know the majority of of, of that talk is 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 relaying a situation and a story and unpicking what might happen when there's unprofessional behavior around so i think that, that, that that's a good one to reinforce what you're saying but tell us a bit more about the civility saves lives um, and
1: yeah so so it's i i think it's it's becoming much more well known i think chris turner's um ted talk is is brilliant and i would absolutely recommend it to everyone he has been incredibly generous with me. He's, he and I've had several conversations. Um, He's increasing, he's often talking at at conferences. Uh, And I think that it's, there's some really fascinating data, particularly on the website around, um, and and increasing research um, in, um, in theatres and in communication and, and when communication breaks down.
0: Now you mentioned some studies, so there's quite a lot of um, published data out there, and uh, some of it actually you know very very scientific. You mentioned um, uh, some research by Riskin and 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 Ares, and this is uh, interestingly within the pediatric um, uh, uh, domain. Um, So these these are neonatal one of their papers anyway neonatal simulation scenarios in which either the parent or facilitator is rude. Um, about the um, about the team, um, and the comments are either about the hospital or about the care and the performance of the sim team in these clinical scenarios is then rated independently and and, and scored, um, and the st- statistical analysis of, of that, as I understand it, which which suggests that um, in those scenarios where where the rudeness is is at its worst, performance of the team is also very poor. Uh,
1: absolutely, absolutely, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because the paper I thought gosh it 's interesting because on the one hand you could kind of think that the team would sort of unite against the the you know, against the comments and sort of um, and it would sort of almost increase the performance, but of course it, it doesn 't um, I think the the brilliant thing is it 's being studied in sim um, there 's also been some um, really interesting um, studies in, in theatres where they had a patient on the, on the table. I think it was again a, a, a sim scenario a patient on the table um, having some sort of hemorrhage, um, and the anaesthetist and surgeon trying to work together. Um, the surgeon was either rude or, or helpful, um, again, a little bit stereotypical. The anaesthetist in both scenarios recognised when they were working with the rude surgeon and when they were working with the, the, the polite surgeon but the the anaesthetist felt that, that it hadn't impacted on their decision-making. So the, the anaesthetist didn't have the insight into the fact that actually when they were working with the rude surgeon, their performance actually decreased compared to with the polite surgeon. The converse is also true. So I think Riskin has also started to do some work on gratitude in teams. Um, and you know this certainly plays into a lot of the, the things that w- that we're talking about. And I guess that the 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 focus on the the training so the i could run a workshop on rude undermining bullying behavior but actually i chose to flip it around and and run a civility workshop um i'd love to run run a kindness workshop but the trouble is with the word kindness is that I think it's been um, kind of misappropriated over the years a little bit I think people tend to think of it as being quite nice and, and a bit of a softer um, a, a softer uh, skill whereas um, so I think civ- civility and the civility saves lives is a good input but actually what I'm talking about a lot when we do do the workshops it is kindness because the origin of the word kindness is fascinating so it's linked to kin and kinship so it's linked to a kind of a solidarity in humanity or solidarity in human um need and i I really like that, so it's a kind of recognizing of being of the same nature of being of a kind of a kin and i and I think that particularly in healthcare we it, it it's it really resonates for me
0: I think just i um, mean you mentioned stereotypical sort of behaviors as pediatricians we're thought of as kindly and of softer nature and uh, somewhat more approachable maybe family minded family centric uh, holistic or all, all, all of those things um do, do you think as a specialty um w- we are different to other specialties in this area or civility in kindness?
1: um so the honest answer is no so i think i think that that's you know we we're, we're human <laughs> Um, I think potentially that our versions of rude, undermining, uncivil behavior looks a little bit different. Um, I think in general, as pediatricians, we're probably quite good communicators. So I think, and, and that can be a double-edged sword. So I think sometimes we're we're perhaps, certainly the, the behavior that I have witnessed and received has been much more of an undermining, subtle nature rather than a, a, a very sort of, uh, upfront um, bullying or rude attack, and actually, arguably, sometimes that's harder because you you're you're sort of second guessing yourself in in terms of thinking have have I said that? And certainly, when we started looking into it on Twitter a couple of years ago, some of the some of the threads that people were tweeting were heartbreaking um, and really really challenging to read. Um, so so I think that we I, I think that any um, any aspect of healthcare where hu- human beings are working closely um, under potentially quite stressful situations will have that that range of behaviour. Um, I think it's also, you know, we're all capable of having a mean moment. I think absolutely, you know, under pressure, sometimes we don't always behave as we should or as we would like to, but we're all capable of apologising. So I think maybe that's, you know, that's what we need to kind of focus on.
0: And we're we're also in the business, uh, you know, as paediatricians, of looking after, um, you know, children who who have um, uh, at least, uh, you know, what one, usually more, very concerned other human beings with them. So um, our interactions with children and our interactions with parents um, are also a challenge, a unique challenge of of, of our specialty. And um, I, I guess you know, parents with uh, anxiety and and, and worry. Uh, potentially uh, you know the worst moment of of their life you know when their child is is really unwell or, or or when they have a condition that is difficult to pinpoint diagnose and you know it can it can bring anxiety and worry and um I, you know we, we see that manifest as um as, as challenging behaviour in parents, uh, as well, that we, we, we need to try and, um, w- work through and work with. Oh,
1: absolutely. And, and I, again, I, I try and reframe it. So, so there aren't difficult parents. There are just parents who are having a difficult time. I'm a parent. Um, you know, but I, I, when my children are, are poorly, you know, you, you worry about them and you think about them in a, in a really diff- different way. Absolutely. Um, and I think that, you know, that again, we need to sometimes kind of take that step back and, um, you know, and that's why we, we, ha- one of the, it's sort of even more important that we kind of make sure that we try and work as a team and look after each other as a team of colleagues, such that we are able to provide that kind, compassionate care to, to the families who are having a, having a difficult time, even when their, you know, communication with them can be really challenging and, and, you know, uh, opinions and decision makings over over treatment can be really challenging actually we we need to fundamentally do that as a team you can't often manage those challenging situations on your own so even more reason that we need to kind of rely on on each other as colleagues in that time
0: and i would include parents as part of that team because we, we're all on the same side in that
1: yeah way, absolutely so. and you know pa- parents and there's some some of um, the um, the data again is you know when when parents witness colleagues being rude to each other that kind of erodes their trust a little bit as well. You know, they are, I don't know if you've ever been on a ward, so I've certainly been on a ward with the children and when they were poorly in, you just realise how public everything is. You know, those curtains are not soundproofed. You can hear every single conversation. And before you've even, you know, the ward rounds even come to you, you've formed opinions on on how the, the team is functioning. I think sometimes we, we're so used to a clinical environment, we forget how on display and on show we are.
0: Absolutely, it's normal environment yeah. for us, and uh, we, we sometimes need to remember how uh, how, how scary the, the, the ward is. Not only for the children sometimes, but for the parents. Despite our best intentions to make it not so, can we come back to the your local civility project? includes um a charter for your for your team to sign up to and, and you created the badge then the the, the badge is available i mean how did you link up with this science on a postcard
1: so so heidi um from science on a postcard i think just does some really beautiful creative um badges and she do, she'd done this really lovely badge um supporting diversity in orthopedics which was which was colored um with the kind of with the rainbow flag and um brown black pink blue and I was sort of playing, I'm quite creative, so I was sort of playing around with with, with paediatrics and, and playing around with kindness. And I sort of sent over an idea. And so she just came back, you know, I support kindness for all in paediatrics. And I just thought, oh, that's wonderful. So yeah, so I, I bought um, a stack of badges to kind of initiate the project and then suggested to her that she might want to put some extra ones on her website. And what was so lovely is they sold out within about 10 minutes, online and she then had to reorder them um, so we're looking at broadening that in in our trust so so I've had a, a brilliant bit of pushback saying well you know what about the rest of us are you going to be nice to a surgeon um, and and I and clearly yes absolutely but I guess there was something about getting your own house in order first and also I wanted to reflect some of the national conversations that we'd had at the college meeting and following the paper um, it is just a badge. It can be very tokenistic, but I think there is something about tr- when you're trying to change a behaviour about having a visual reminder. Um, families have love love it. They they often ask about it, um, and it's certainly a, a, a talking point. And I just think the fact that it's sold out on Heidi's website so very quickly means that there's you know there's um, there's something in it that other people have taken it on so I know um Jothy and colleagues in Milton Keynes have have d- done a done a project as well um around it so it's lovely to see it taking off I'm you know it, it's f- for everyone to to, to take on and, and um and develop really so
0: we've I hope got shares in, in the badge making <laughs> uh, and but it, it's great it's great spread it's great to see the spread uh, of it, so it becomes uh, in a way its own movement. Um, well, look, it's been really interesting chatting, and I'm, I'm sure there's far more that we can we can deal with. But um, I, I think we'll we'll draw it in there. I mean, before we finish, um, I I'd like to try and close with 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 a few summary learning points, take homes. What 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 would you like to to share for people as a as a final thought, as cl- some closing remarks?
1: So I think you know, don't underestimate how important this is. You know, we're we're working at a time when it's very challenging in the NHS Um, where you know well-being has never been given so much prominence and actually how we communicate with someone is something that we can do for free from today you know being kind to each other thinking about how we communicate Um, remembering this isn't about being nice and creating artificial harmony this is about being clear and kind rather than unclear and, and unkind I have i read a lot. And I, I think some quotes can be really helpful for this. So I, I just wanted to add in a very famous Maya Angelou quote, which I'm sure lots of people have, have, will remember, in that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And I think that's really at the heart of the message that we're trying to talk about.
0: Well, thanks so much, Anna, for being kind and generous with your time. It's been fascinating talking uh, to you uh, and uh, this project really resonates. Uh, We look forward to seeing it spread.
1: Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thanks for taking the time to download our podcast this week. If you enjoy our podcasts, please tell your friends and colleagues and subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and, of course, our SoundCloud.